Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, we're back here in Ohio with Tyler Buchanan. Great to have Tyler back. Um, we're doing the daily podcast now, and I know we had Tyler on a couple times when we were the weekly, and I'm excited he's going to continue with us and also have some other people from the Ohio Capital Journal. Uh, Tyler, how's it going today? Hey, doing good. It's been a busy, busy Thursday, but yes, glad to be back talking with you, and congrats on everything that you're doing with this. Yeah, it's exciting to see the growth, and it's exciting that we're talking to local reporters because we love local news, and we love uh, being able to um, just see what's happening. And, and let's talk it, – it's been a few weeks since we talked last. Um, inauguration. Um, we'll probably release this on Monday. Um, but, you know, we're talking as a Thursday. Uh, we're a day away from the original inauguration on January 20th. Oh, what a process. And usually we know the inauguration details by the first, what, Wednesday of November. It seemed like this process drug on and on and on with everything going on. But thankfully, everything seemed to go okay uh, with the inauguration. Um, lots of fun. Uh, we enjoyed the pop culture aspects of it uh, with Garth Brooks, Lady Gaga, and everything else. But, you know, it, it seemed like everything went off with our hitch. Thankfully, there was no violence. Thankfully, there was no craziness. Yeah, it was weird that Trump left early, but not a surprise. But I, I'm glad it seemed to be a smooth day when it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, so I de definitely echoing most of the sentiments you just said. You know, yesterday, as far as I'm aware, um, everything yeah. pretty much went off without a hitch. And it's a long day. Like, it's not just the the events in front of the U.S. Capitol, you know, with the big risers and, and putting the hand on the, the giant uh, Bible that Biden had, you know, it's, it's not just that 30 minute thing. It goes on the whole day. Um, b besides even just the day one stuff that Joe Biden did, he signed a number of executive orders that, that I'm sure people have read about or, or heard by now. Um, you know, just the ceremonial stuff, you know, they went to uh, Arlington National Cemetery, went to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, um, had had those uh, ceremonies with um, some of the other living uh, former presidents. Um, and of course, the the stuff at the end of the evening that people were watching, there, there was Tom Hanks and Bruce yeah. Springsteen yeah. and people that were performing, uh, I think it was at the Lincoln Memorial. Um, normally you would have the inauguration balls. Um, yeah. That's typical for presidents. They go like way on into the night. Obviously couldn't really do that um, with this being COVID. But just a, a, a long day and a very unusual setting in D.C., the fact that, that it was basically a militarized zone. I mean, you could not go in or out of this giant zone. And we're so used to those images, right? Regardless of president, the images of the entire National Mall just covered with people, right? right. Those, those photos from the sky where it's just everybody. 
um, right. the parades. They they did have the parades. Um, it was very, um, I guess, lower key than usual. Um, normally, you would have some some kind of Ohio representation there, you know, from throughout the country. Um, we didn't have that in D.C., although there was a high school marching band in Springfield, Ohio. Oh, wow. Recorded, okay. they, they recorded themselves. They, they were chosen, like, I think a week ago. And they recorded themselves um, some kind of video of them playing, and it, it played on a on a virtual parade across no, America. Okay. Yeah, uh, referenced it, but but yeah, just so I think it was it was nice to see after so much discussion leading in about security. Um, obviously, Ohio people probably saw Ohio sent a number uh, hundreds, I think, of National Guardsmen to DC mm. to help out with the security there. Um, so it was nice to see that that it pretty much went off without a hitch in terms of organization and planning and security. Last thing to mention again, there there were some some norms that were broken, so to speak, in terms of typically you would see Joe Biden and Donald Trump ride together to the U.S. Right. Capitol, and and um, Trump would be there uh, present to watch the transfer of power, so to speak. Um, he didn't do that. He flew to Florida and pretty much stayed quiet and he doesn't have Twitter, right. doesn't have Twitter anymore to be able to not keep quiet. So um, it's sort of interesting that light, but I think, I think most people really, regardless of party um, were, were happy with what they saw. They, they liked his speech. They liked the calls for unity. Um, and you really saw that um, the reaction from, from people on both sides of the aisle. It's too early to say, and I'm just asking you to make a guess because I think that's all we all could do. What do you think is right now the future of the Republican Party? Because it seems to be kind of a splinter. I think there's a, a group of people out there saying, oh, you know, we still think Donald Trump did a great job and hopefully he comes back or anything. But it seems like there's a big departure, yeah, especially Mitch McConnell. I mean, those guys were tight and everything. Now it seems like there's a departure, and probably from a political nature for McConnell, do you see, like, Trump made the eerie comment, you, you, well, we'll be back in some form, and I don't know what that form is, a ghost or whatever the case might be. Well, what do you think the future is? Like, how would you project 2024? Is it a make America great type of candidate, or is it more of a moderate candidate? Is it, I, I'm not so sure. This is, this is the billion-dollar question, right, is what what happens from here um, with, with Trump's obvious popularity within the Republican party, even, even, even obviously with the election, but even, even after everything that happened in the post-election with Trump refusing to concede with him, uh, fighting in court battle after court battle with him, you know, all the falsehoods about, I still won. There are the stories about him calling the, the Georgia election officials, telling them to find votes for him, all of these things. And then of course the January 6th, you know, the, the, you know, you're, your views will vary as to whether or not you think he did or didn't incite it or to what degree. But just the events of January 6th, you did see polling that showed that Trump's approval rating, even amongst Republicans, um, did go down. Um, it was at record highs amongst a, a partisan of his own party uh, to 90, 95 percent through most of his presidency. I think he leaves with uh, – don't quote me on this, but something in the 60 or 70 range, obviously he's still very good, but not, you know, he did yeah. tail off basically through his final days. So the, as to where they go from here, um, step one is it's going to depend on the Senate impeachment trial. 
Right. In some scenario that the Senate, which is 50-50 right now, but you need more than that to convict, if they can somehow find the 15 or 20 Republicans to go along with Democrats to convict Trump, that that is huge, not just for his reputation, but convicting in an impeachment yeah. trial means you can't run again. You can't run again in 2024. That, that seems to be a big question here um, right. as to the impeachment right. trial is, you know, not only do Democrats want to quote unquote hold him accountable for the january 6th stuff um they would like to prevent him to run again uh not just politically they they want to see him gone but they just think you know with someone of his his personality and caliber he shouldn't um should be in that position uh really quickly as far as how how the party goes from here i truly can see it going both ways I can see the great forgetting, as people like to term it now, where where Republicans in three months are going to say, Donald Trump, who? I don't know. Who, who's that? I don't even know who you're talking yeah. about. All that controversy? No, no, no. That I don't, you know, I can see that thing. But I can also see, you know, if Republicans look at it, um, they typically do better with Trump on the, on a ballot. They won in 2016. They held the, the Senate. Um, obviously, they, they just lost it in 2020. Um, but part of that was because Trump was not on the ballot for the two Georgia elections in January that decided the Senate, right? He wasn't on the ballot yeah. and Republicans performed worse. So if Republicans, if the party apparatus says, well, there's some benefit to Trump popularity, um, they may still lean into it as far as how they'll approach it in the next few years. I, I, I don't know. I could see it. Any number of ways, I would I would believe at this point. Well, I think for me the million dollar question is how how is everyone going to react? Like, and again, it's funny. Everyone's like, "Oh, why is Biden talking about unification?" Every new president talks about unifying the country. You know, they talk about, "Hey, those of you who didn't vote for me, hey, here's how we want to work together." So Biden's message is nothing new. It's repeated a billion yeah. times before. Absolutely. I'm kind of wondering, well, like I'm seeing some breaking news, and it's not going to be breaking by the time we air this, but um, there is a Georgia representative, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, she filed, she filed impeachment, did she? Yes, she filed impeachment. Yeah. No, she, she, she said that, she was going to. Yeah. That was like, uh, you know, concerning the, the Hunter Biden thing. I'm wondering, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what is the reaction not that we're expecting Biden to be impeached over this, but what is the reaction by the Republican Party? Are they going to give breath? Are they going to give life when these things happen? Like, you know, hey, we're going to file articles of impeachment on Biden or anything. If they don't, I think for me that kind of tells me that the Trump movement in the party is very much being quashed. But if, you know, people support her and if they start yelling about it and everything else, I think it's going to tell you that the movement's not dead yet. Yeah. Right. And that's that's why this is such an interesting first, you know, the hundred days. People always talk about a president's first hundred days and the and the policy right. agenda and, and what what he's able to do. And you're and you're right that the message the general message from Biden coming in of, of unity, obviously it's very important and very timely given the discord and given the January sixth events. But it's pretty much the same of any president. Like you said, there's no president that goes up on his uh, you know, as an inauguration and says, you know, hey, jerks who didn't vote for me. You know, that's yeah. not a thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Marjorie Taylor Greene thing, yeah, it, this is such an interesting, or I should say this is what makes the 100 days thing so interesting is because of the Senate impeachment trial against Trump. And that's why Biden's really put in a weird spot because Biden's not initiating that. 
that that right. was initiated. You know, they already knew he was going to become president last week, but that was initiated by by you know obviously House Democrats and Senate Democrats. Um, and so Biden is put in this weird spot as the you know standard bearer of, the, of his party, where his party is saying. Yes, we want to move on from Trump and we want to have unity and we want to push our democratic agenda, but we also need to chew, you know, chew gum and walk at the same time or whatever the phrase is and, um, you know, and, and go on with this Trump um, impeachment, impeachment trial. Uh, Sherrod Brown today telling reporters, he, he says, you know, there's no issue with us doing both. The Senate can do both things at the same time, but just rhetorically speaking, it does kind of put Biden in a tough spot. Um, the green yeah. thing, boy, she she's already made a name for herself as just a very controversial, unusual oh, figure. Yeah. For people that don't know, she's she's very much a, a conspiracy theorist. I think she doesn't believe in the nine eleven. Uh, yeah. you know some of the, some of that stuff, some of the school shootings, things like that. Um, whether or not there will be legs there, good luck with that. <laughs> we'll see. I'm kind of wondering, like, I've read a lot about even though the relationship between, like, Obama in the House and the Senate during his uh, administration wasn't always the brightest, shall we say. But, yeah. you know, I, I always read about how Biden, as a vice president at the time, really sparked a relationship with McConnell, where even though it wasn't reported on that much, they often met and they often got things together. And I'm kind of hoping for, I think back to Ronald Reagan with that Tip O'Neill relationship where, yeah, they were on opposite sides of the political party, but they met together. They worked together. They tried to get some things done. And I, I'm kind of hopeful for that. And I think for our country, not just for the craziness of, you know, Green, but it would be nice and I think it would be politically advantageous for McConnell just to say, hey, calm down with that foolishness. If no other reason, we're trying to, you know, get to a better relationship with Biden. You know, you can't be impeaching him on the first day, you know? Yeah, lot, lots of moving parts, as you said. And I, and I think that relationship that you bring up and the juxtaposition between Obama's approach to the legislature and Biden's is a really it, – it, it's one of the keys here. Um, yeah. Obama had served in the Senate, but only for a couple of years. Um, so, so you have the one part, which is Joe Biden served decades in the Senate, mm. decades. So he just Biden just knows the, the the procedure better. He made relationships with some of these people. Some, some of the people in the Senate have been serving forever, you know, served with Joe Biden, and they know Joe Biden um, and maybe trust him better. And I, and I mean, I mean, Republicans there um, have a better relationship with them. And he, but just besides their experience, just their personalities, um, generally speaking, Obama's considered more academic, more aloof, um, yeah. a little bit less social. Joe Biden, as anybody can tell, he's quite a bit more social. He's more of the, the back slapper, the let's talk it out. Definitely believes in institutions, definitely believes in bipartisanship, believes in finding common ground. Believe, uh, not to say that Obama doesn't believe in any of those things, but but Joe Biden will make a concerted effort to build those personal relationships. Um, having Kamala Harris as his VP, who's just coming from the Senate and has those relationships, huge. It, this is just going to be... Yeah. I, think, I think what you're going to see is a much different first couple of years than the first couple of years of the Obama administration, where there was some of that friction. I just I think it's easier for us to imagine Joe Biden having that closer relationship with them compared to say Obama with like John Banner. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah. 
definitely. Well, I definitely want to talk about some Ohio stuff, but just to kind of close up the federal part, uh, we were going to talk about the insurrection. Uh, I, I think we've kind of, you know, broached it with, because obviously that's why, you know, Trump is being impeached and everything. I, I kind of make the argument, tell me if you agree with this or not. I kind of make the argument that even if you're a huge Trump supporter, you should welcome a trial because, yeah, Trump could be charged personally for what happened. But I would say the impeachment trial would be the good thing to say, hey, if he's innocent, he can prove it during a trial. Or if he's guilty, we can convict him during a trial. It, it seems to be, after the horrifying events of January 6th, it seems to be kind of what would, I, I would say that should make everybody happy. I know it's embarrassing to have to go for a second impeachment trial, but it would be less embarrassing just to let him go and say, well, you know, he, He's not president more limps to about it. It'll become this unanswered question about what did he know and what didn't he know. I think an impeachment trial, no matter what side of the issue you're on, I think it'd be great. Yeah, there there again are the two ways to look at this. There's the way of just politically, what mm-hmm. what Democrats should be doing this politically for, what Republicans should be, you know, their their political focus here. And then there's just the like taking the politics out of it, you know, do you do you as a person think that Trump had a role in inciting the January 6th, you know, insurrection attempt. And if so, what, what should be done about it? Cause there, there are people that will answer yes to that question, but think he should not be impeached um, or have been impeached uh, people that think yes and think he should, you know, and, and I think people have legitimate points to make besides just the politics of like, I don't want to see my Trump, you know, President Trump that I supported impeached because I don't, he's my guy. Um, in terms of like how Republicans should play it, again, you, you could see it a number of ways. Uh, you could see it as he's, um, you know, he's our guy. We don't think he, he should be put under the microscope like this. You could see it as maybe we should just move on from Trump, the whole Trump experience. Yeah. You can see people yeah. as saying actually having the impeachment trial will help us move on from Trump because then we can just vote to blame him and say, oh, that was him and that wasn't us. Don't worry. Right. Or he didn't do it. You guys are all just being political hacks and moving on. I, you know, we will well, see. It'll, it'll be interesting, too. Like, you know, do they set up a decorum? Because I think at very worst, if I'm being judgmental, because I know journalists were not supposed to say guilty or innocent, but I, I think at very worst you can make the argument of, hey, words matter. So, you know, if, if I'm representing Gannett and you're representing Ohio Capital Journal, what you say matters, even though we're not running those organizations. And I think the same thing goes true of Trump. And I, I think the thing I'm hopeful for is I don't want to say he's guilty or not because that's not my business. But hopefully we can set up at the quorum and say, hey, here's some things moving forward you can say and, and, and don't say. I mean, I think right now with everything that's happened over the past four years, we've kind of lost that what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know? And, hey, maybe a lot of stuff that Trump did is appropriate. I'm not saying it's not. But I think we've lost a little bit of what's good and what's bad there. So, yeah. I was just going to say briefly, you know, it seems obvious that Sherrod Brown will vote to convict. Uh, Ralph Norman is going to be more of a question mark. Um, He's been a big Trump supporter over the last four years. He has his own election in 2022. Is he really going to want to anger Trump's base? We've seen how the Trump's base has reacted to Republican Representative uh, Anthony Gonzalez up in Cuyahoga County. He was one of the ten in the House to vote to impeach, and he's 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 uh, stepped in. I'll put it that way, politically speaking. Yes. So yeah. I would guess that Portman's is going to be a no, but he's you know he's one of those moderates, and we'll see. 
Trump, you know, Trump won Ohio by eight percent. So, you know, that's something. I mean, if you know, it went Biden a lot, maybe the legislators would, would think differently. But obviously, Absolutely. the fact Trump won Ohio is itself going to have an impact on Ohio's vote. Um, a couple things about Ohio. I want to briefly touch on this. I, I was afraid it was going to become a big issue. It, you know, the demonstration last Sunday, I, I guess, if that's the right word for it. Um, thankfully, nothing happened. It turned out to be uh, probably the scariest thing to happen was a very silly argument between two dudes and bullhorns. Um, do you think <laughs> the fact that they sent the National Guard out, do you think that kind of scared people off? I mean, I'm glad it was kind of lame, but I, I was trying to figure out what kind of calmed it down from the threats that, you know, DeWine said they were getting earlier in the week. Yeah. So, it, again, we talk about these million dollar questions. Who knows? They, they say that there were credible threats that were made ahead of time that spurred DeWine and the state to mobilize the National Guard. Um, the state patrol already patrols the Ohio State House, so they're there regardless, but even their numbers were pretty ramped up. And there were hundreds of National Guardsmen ready inside the State House in case there were some mass of people that, you know, basically did what happened at the U.S. Capitol, which is show up and break in and cause havoc. Um, I think it's easy for us to say afterward when nothing happens, um, the inevitable, hey, should we have should we have done that? It ended up being nothing. But it's it's one of those things of it might have been nothing because right. of how much show of force. That that's the question. I don't know if there just were not that many people that wanted to show a period, or if there were people that would have caused trouble and didn't because they knew I mean it was widely reported how yeah. there was going to be this giant show of force. Like they they did not make any, they did not make any of that a secret that there was going to be this big right. show for right. I think the big thing that really scared some of the people off, if I had to guess, um, is people there was this drumbeat of news articles from the Ohio Capitol Journal and elsewhere of people getting arrested from the yeah. US Capitol stuff. Is they went back home from DC and said, like, they can't arrest us all, and then suddenly the FBI shows <laughs> their house. You know, it's not yeah. funny. Uh, and and I think a lot of them saw like, whoa. As it turns out, there's some ramifications to some of that stuff. Maybe I should think twice about about showing up to cause um, trouble. So as it ended up being, there were about 50 or 100 people. The weather was horrible. It was freezing, yeah. and it was, it was really bad snow. And the Cleveland Browns had a playoff game at 3 p.m., and the protest was in the afternoon. So you add up all of those those factors, and I think you know I was there, and I think the reporters and the and the security outnumbered the number of demonstrators. I'll put it that way. Did you get a true feel? Like, I, I was following everybody on Twitter throughout the day. Thankfully, I was warm and at home, which I, I definitely appreciate that. Sure. I, From watching the video interviews of, like, what Mark Kovac did at Dispatch and other people, I don't even know if there was a definite what are they fighting for. Like, you think about any type of demonstration, if it was legit Absolutely. or not. Yeah, what are they arguing about? Yeah, I, I didn't get that feeling. So I wrote a column afterward, um, and one of the one of the things I had to ask myself as I'm writing is that I wanted to call them protesters, but I'm like, but but to be protesters, you have to be protesting something. They didn't. Yeah. That was that was the really weird thing is that there was like a few, and when I say a few, there was like three signs of just kind of like you know the government's bad basically. But there was you know, I I could not discern any specific 
issue. So, so like the January 6th thing, the clear thing is they were targeting the U.S. Capitol during the electoral count. And clearly they thought that Trump had won. And that then it was to stop the steel rally. Like for whatever else you think about it, like the intent, there, there seems to be like a topic. You know what I'm saying? Right. This Sunday thing, like I didn't even get what the topic was. They didn't, there was no chance. There was no signs. They didn't yeah. shout anything. They didn't like march in a line or anything. They just stood there. People yeah. with guns and people with baseball bats and people just with nothing that were bundled up in their coats. They just stood there and then they all milled about and then they talked to each other and everybody was peaceful. And then everybody went home when the Browns started. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It was one of the, the one of the stranger political rallies, events, whatever I've ever covered. But Hey, if that's what it took to keep everybody peaceful, I'm not complaining. Well, I heard like I heard a couple Second Amendments, uh, that weird bullhorn argument. I guess like one guy was even trans or he supported trans rights, so he starts arguing with another guy who clearly didn't support that. And and yeah, like you said, it's like you know, go up to the National Guard member and say, hey, you know, take this to the governor or, or you know, have some point. Like, have some, okay, the point we made today was we gave somebody a hundred reasons why Trump should have won or a hundred reasons why yeah. you should protect the Second Amendment or whatever. And I, I didn't see any of that. And if I was reporting there, I'd be like, okay, what did you guys do? You did nothing. You know, <laughs> it was just so weird. It was, it was, it was odd. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that bullhorn argument, which is amazing. Uh, it was a good. Yeah, it was we, a guy heard, like, we heard things such as Harry Potter rules. We heard him shout about, uh, I think about Tom Hanks. Um, yeah, other, other very random. It, it was one one guy with a bullhorn that was shouting. So well, it, it was funny too, and I'll bring this up because I tried to reach out to him, and I think he heard one of my podcasts, and he probably declined the invitation. But the dancing trucker was there. Which oh, yeah. got some excitement. Yeah, and, I saw him. Well, uh, the dancing trucker started following me on Twitter, so I started following him. And he talked about, well, this was a political all. And then a day or two later, he had this selfie with Donald Trump talking about how Trump was the greatest. And I don't know if that had anything to do with him coming or not. But it was funny because I spoke with my phone the day of the rally, and he, everything was like, oh, this is just for fun, and we're trying to be peaceful and having fun. And then he posts that thing on Twitter the next day. I'm like, what's going on here? It was just a weird day. Everybody there struck me as strange. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, very I, my big takeaway was that it was peaceful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and thank goodness. Because if it wasn't, I mean, we'd be screaming um, because I was worried. I mean, I, my wife had a uh, friend of hers uh, that she teaches with. You know, he was in the National Guard. He was there. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, friends and colleagues there from reporting, and uh, I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind if somebody gets hurt. So thankfully, none of that happened. And thankfully, it was just weird. It was just strange. I, I'd rather have weird and strange and violent, for sure. Sure. Um, a couple other things that we're going to talk about. I got to tell you, Todd, in the interest of time, we better save that for next week. But let's end up with this. Um, obviously, new president, Joe Biden, um, DeWine had a, I guess if DeWine and Trump were describing their Facebook friendship, it would be, it's complicated. You know, very strange. Um, you know, DeWine ran his campaign, but obviously they kind of butted heads and some thoughts about COVID and some other things. It sounds like 
you know, the ones reaching out to Biden, some of the initial press conferences when we're talking COVID and COVID vaccines, do, do you anticipate it being a good relationship? Because obviously Ohio's a big state, and obviously Ohio's concerned about what's happening federally with COVID. You think the wine Biden could be a good relationship? See, this, this is another one of those things where Joe Biden's past experience really comes in handy because right. Mike DeWine was in the Senate with Joe yeah. Biden and they served, they served together. I, I don't know what relationship they've had since, but Mike DeWine seems to know everybody. It seems, <laughs> seems to have a relationship with everybody. Uh, but yeah, it, and that's, you know, I, I would say that that's one of Mike DeWine's strengths as well, that his own experience that, that he, he, he's clearly shown a willingness to, to, to reach across the aisle. And, and I think something like a pandemic transcends politics yeah. in that sense. Um, that's one of the things that, that Mike DeWine has talked about is when he, when he, he gets a little bit of heat sometimes for complimenting the president's pandemic response. And there's some of that thing, but taking that aside, just stripping even the the Trump controversy of, of his pandemic response, what, what DeWine will talk about is it's a good thing for the state of Ohio, for the governor of Ohio to have a working positive relationship with the president. Regardless of party, regardless of whatever else he's doing politically, it's just fundamentally good for the state because they're going to get, you know, good, good help. When when Dwayne needs something, there's going to be a response there. Um, all those things. And and I think Dwayne, if you were to find a way to talk to him privately and how he really thinks, I think he's going to be glad um, that there's an administration coming in that is more trusting of science, that is more um, available. I'll put it that way. You know, there were reports about how there were governor weekly governor calls or monthly governor calls. And, and that was supposed to be Mike Pence. The VP was on it, but it turns out for months he was like never on the call. Uh, just little things like that. Um, I, I think the relationship, I think the relationship will be good. So we'll have to see. Very good. Something else quick. I wanted to throw at you. Any other thoughts? I know we're still two years away, but you know, Dwayne's relationship with Biden, I'm sure will play a big role in it. Any other thoughts on who might be running for governor? I know we're just throwing names. Boy, out wall, I, but that's, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I like, I keep, I, I, I bring up in some of my articles is just that the Democrats are such a hard spot politically. And, and if there's any good news, there's only, there's nowhere to go, but up because you only have Sherrod Brown. That is a statewide elected official. Republicans have the Supreme court. They have the Ohio Senate. They have the Ohio house. They have, um, you know, 12 of the 16 congressional seats. And, in, in this instance, they have six of the statewide offices, the, the auditor, the treasurer, the attorney general, the governor, lieutenant governor, and I'm missing one of them. Um, but, yeah, so that that's the thing is Democrats in 2022 have to field candidates for all those, for governor, lieutenant governor, the four other ones, the, the, the race against Portman. They have to find a statewide race against Portman. And there's just not a giant bench of ready – battle-tested, well-funded, well-known, you know, name recognition, all the things you want to say that can have a competitive race against Mike DeWine, who is experienced and has a truckload of money. So, and everybody knows. Yeah. So, do I have any idea? I, I have one or two guesses of names that are not surprising, that if people are that interested, they can Google 
Ohio Democratic possible candidate will not be hard to find. But if you ask me, can I can I name six Democrats that can compete in the six statewide elections plus Portman? I'd be hard pressed to name six or seven. I'll I'll tell you the truth. It was funny. We recently talked. That might change. Yeah. We recently talked to Rachel Coyle from How Things Work at the uh, Ohio State House, the Facebook group she runs, and she's a fellow yeah. at the Ohio State House as well. And she was throwing out some names. It was interesting hearing her talk about it. She mentioned Sykes. Uh, she also mentioned Tim Ryan, you know, from the U.S. House. Um, Tim Ryan seems to be Tim Ryan seems to be the one people want for the Portman race. We'll see. But. I'm kind of wondering about. Uh, you know, especially with well, she didn't mention him possibly for governor, maybe, which kind of surprised me. I'm actually thinking, I don't know if the state's going to go for her, but it sounds like Nan Whaley definitely. Uh, Nan yeah. Whaley is the name that I, w- I would have mentioned, and and that's no surprise. Nan Whaley gets yeah. thrown. Oh, yeah. um, if the Democrats could copy and paste seven Nan Whaleys into the yeah. seven cases, I think they would. Um, she, you know, she got some attention after, you know, handling some of the crises that Dayton has has dealt with. Um, she ran for governor briefly last time, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's the name recognition. It, 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 that's the problem is name recognition. Tim Ryan has been in office for 12 years or however many terms that he's had. He, and he ran for president. Even people in northeast Ohio know him. Do people in Athens or Portsmouth or Zanesville or Urbana, you know, do people of those places know who Tim Ryan is? Do they know who yeah, Nan yeah. Whaley is? Do, do, do people in Ashtabula know who Nan Whaley is? Yeah. And that's the challenge. That is the challenge for a party that is, is in the place that it's in. But like I said, you know, they, there's there's nowhere else to go from here other than to try to find a fresh start. They just they just um, have a new uh, chairman, chairwoman. Um, uh, Liz Walters is the new chair of the Ohio Dems. So they talk a lot about you know a new strategy, a new a new vision, focus, all those things. And they've got plenty of they do have plenty of time um, in the next year to really build up the party again. So we we may have a much different sense and feeling as to their competitiveness in a year from now as anybody who's a sports fan knows you know you know one year where your team is down in the dumps and the next year they are championship contender it does it does happen so obviously it's not going to change overnight i mean it's going to take a while but progress is made. I think the wine looks better. And I think, you know, Biden looks better across the country. But as things go south, you know, I think it's really going to impact, you know, local and state races in, you know, 2022. And, you know, we've talked about this before, so we don't need to rehash again. But I'm always interested, even the Republican race, you know. Um, yeah. The wine you know, primary drama. The, the, DeWine, the DeWine primary drama fight is going to be something that. Hopefully, I'll I'll be back on with you plenty more in the rest of 2021 and early 2022. To, oh yeah, it'd be fun to hash that out with it because I'm I'm sure we're gonna. So well, I think Renichi uh, wants it, and always the, the wild card, the challenger, the wild card for many reasons, I should say. Uh, Jim Jordan, uh, he lost his buddy. Um, one of the one of my co-hosts on the Daily Show is a. Um, a Fremont news messenger writer. He's actually talked to Jim Jordan a couple times. And it's funny because, yeah, Jim Jordan's done other stuff than help Trump out. But 
a lot of Jim Jordan's resume is helping Trump out. And if Trump's not there anymore, it'll be interesting to see what he attaches his name to in a federal level. And if he is finding that a lot of what he does is supporting Trump, I wonder if he's going to set his eyes toward state. You know, again, it's just wild speculation, but it kind of makes sense based on what happened in the presidential race. Yeah, my, my personal favorite moment so far of 2021 in any of this sphere is Jim Renacci tweeting out that uh, one of the one of the hallmarks of Ohio culture and life is he he's so proud of Cedar Point and he's so proud of Six Flags in Ohio, which there is <laughs> not a Six Flags in Ohio. So. <laughs> oh, it should be fun. It's great. It's gonna be it's gonna be, be a blast. Just because of, uh, former president, now it sounds weird to say former president Trump, but just because former president Trump looks like his time on Twitter is over, a lot of other politicians are using Twitter for very strange purposes. I I point at a weird tweet from T- Ted Cruz the other night, and yeah, the one you mentioned too is very strange as well. So, well, very good. Well, Tyler, again, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. it's always good talking politics with you. Um, apologize, I know we were going to talk about some of the um. E- the uh, inauguration protests, uh, including a, a school board member who rented a bus to take people uh, over to Washington. And we'll definitely want to talk about that next time. But yeah, we're looking forward to talking each week and not just you, but other uh, people over at Ohio Capital Journal. Uh, help us out. How do we connect with you on Twitter and how do we uh, get more information about the Ohio Capital Journal? Yeah. So again, for people that don't know, we're a, we're a nonprofit digital only uh, news outlet based in Columbus. So we're just online, ohiocapitaljournal.com. Primarily cover the state house and the legislature, but just generally we cover Ohio politics, COVID, you know, all, all that kind of thing, elections, um, just the whole gamut. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Joel B. Uh, if you just search my name, Tyler Buchanan, you'll find it. And uh, I just try to keep everybody enlightened and entertained on the the wild world of politics uh here in the buckeye state so and definitely all kinds of interesting tweets so if you're a legislator out there and you're tweeting something silly time's gonna catch you so be careful I, about I think that. i think after a year of me doing this now i want to think that some of them have like a one percent in the back of their mind like should i should i post that or is tyler gonna find it so we'll yeah. see and, and they should know like that I not only have myself, but I now have tons of people that anytime anybody puts anything weird, I get a bunch of emails and DMs of, hey, did you see this? So just keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk, there's been all kinds of better things to talk about, but we got to talk about our favorite reporter. He actually mentioned me in the article. So, oh, it was great. Oh, brother. I, anyway. I wrote a blog. I wrote a blog post a little bit critical of some of the uh, reporting under the scenes, and he re- referenced me. So it was great. Uh, proudest moment of my life. I know I made it as a journalist. It was fantastic. Well, thanks again, Todd. We appreciate you. Have a great day. And thank you again for checking us out on the Highwind. We'll see you again tomorrow. Have a good one.